Hello, hello. Happy New Year, everyone. My name is Rachel Iba, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the first Green Umbrella concert of the year. Yeah, give it up for Green Umbrella. We're here at Upbeat Live at Walt Disney Concert Hall, and we have an incredible evening of musical storytelling ahead of us. Um, all conducted by Jenny Wong, performed, yes, Jenny Wong, performed by the musicians of the LA Phil New Music Group. Yeah. <laughs> um, and curated by the fabulous Natalie Joachie and uh, Pamela Z. Big hand for them, yeah. So I'll start by saying I work, um, I'm a violinist and educator and I work with a lot of young musicians who are always asking me, what is it like to be a professional musician in this day and age? Like, what does that mean today? Do you still practice? Have you met Beyonce? <laughs> Only in my dreams. Um, <laughs> is all the music still written by dead white men? <laughs> But yeah, what does the life of a classically trained musician look like in 2022? And it's an interesting question because we're at this very rich moment in the evolution of the musical genre. Even until fairly recently, it was quite common for musicians to kind of get really good at one thing and just do that thing forever. Like you practice really hard and then you win a job in an orchestra and then you just do that for the next 50 years or until they kick you out, you know? <laughs> and uh, even when I graduated conservatory, which was only a few years ago, my options were like win an orchestra job, form a string quartet, or just give it all up and go into academia. <laughs> just kidding, of course. Who knows, maybe some institution will be foolish enough to let you give pre-concert lectures for them. Um, <laughs> but more and more, and I think particularly in the Los Angeles music scene, I'm seeing this necessity of musicians to have a fluency across genres and styles, working in different musical languages and artistic disciplines. So composers today are writing for orchestras, they're writing film scores, they're arranging for pop tracks, they're collaborating with dancers and actors, and the medium is, is really opening up. And what I f love and find so inspiring about all of the women featured on tonight's program is that they've each, in their own way, really defied this these narrow categorizations that are sometimes imposed on musicians and composers. And they've forged their own highly individual artistic paths and bodies of work. And they're all integrating new technology. They're actively engaged in social justice. And they're really using their art to further these larger cultural conversations. If you can't tell, I'm just a huge fangirl of all of them. Um, so a little about our curators of tonight's concert for those who aren't familiar. Natalie Joachie is a Grammy-nominated flutist, composer, vocalist, educator. She's born and raised in Brooklyn, but deeply grounded in her family's Haitian heritage, which we'll talk a bit more about later on. She's a faculty member at Bang on a Can Institute, the Banff Center, former flutist of the celebrated contemporary ensemble Eighth Blackbird. And she is one of two flutists in the duo Flutronics, which is described 
as a unique blend of classical music, hip-hop, electronic programming, and soulful vocals reminiscent of neo-R&B stars like Erica Badu. So, very busy woman. <laughs> um, Pamela Z is a legendary composer, performer, and media artist. She works primarily with voice, live electronic processing, which we'll get to see some of tonight, sampled sound and video. And uh, Pamela is really a pioneer of live digital looping techniques. Um, she processes her voice in real time to create dense, complex sonic layers. She's been commissioned to compose scores for dance, theater, film, chamber ensembles like the Kronos Quartet, Bang on a Can All-Stars. She's the recipient of numerous awards, including recently the Rome Prize. She's been a Guggenheim Fellow and, and many more, many more awards. Very accomplished women. So let's get into the music a bit. Natalie and Pamela have curated this amazing program tonight, which opens with a work called This Person by Puerto Rican-born, Brooklyn-based composer Angelica Negron. And Angelica, yeah, give it up for Angelica. Um, Angelica is just so cool, so cool. You can read about all of this in her bio, but she writes for accordions, robotic instruments, toys and electronics, as well as chamber ensembles, orchestra and choir. She's been commissioned by major symphonies, Bang on a Can All-Stars, she scored films. She's also the front woman of electronic indie pop band Balloon. So you're starting to see the theme of these very, very versatile musicians. My friends and I uh, jokingly call this LA phenomenon um, being a slasher. Like you meet someone and they explaining what you do involves being like, well, you know, I'm like a a composer and a singer-songwriter and a media artist, and I dabble in interactive sound baths, and I have a podcast, you know. <laughs> you know the type. Not to say they're at all dabblers. They're all very accomplished in all of their fields. So I thought I couldn't find a recording of this person, but I thought just to give you kind of a taste of the huge range in Angelica's music, could listen to a few excerpts from other pieces. So here is the first. This is called Pasajero. That was from a collection of ambient pop songs for voice, live electronics, and vegetable synth. That's right, vegetable synth. <laughs> I encourage you all to look, look up Pasajero on, on YouTube. It's, um, it's a shame we aren't able to project here, but um, Angelica uses the Ototo interface to create instruments from produce. And there's even, so she has this beautiful like keyboard of like zucchini, artichoke, and, and, she's, and she's live triggering them, which for me is so refreshing. I mean, my first introductions to the world of electronic music usually involve just like one 
white guy with a laptop who's just kind of apathetically triggering cues. And um, both Angelica and Pamela have just found these wonderfully original ways to create visually compelling performance of electronic music. Um, okay, so here, just to, on the other end of the spectrum in Angelica's work is another piece. This is an excerpt from a drag opera that she wrote called Chimera. tell, even though very different style from the first piece we heard, all of her music has this really wonderful, playful spirit. I love the, the pizzicato textures going on in the strings in that last excerpt. So yeah, I think one of the things that's so wonderful about Angelica, I see a lot of her eclectic musical style that's very difficult to categorize as a direct result. She talks about this a lot in interviews of her diverse musical upbringing. So she grew up in Carolina, Puerto Rico, studying classical violin, but also with a lot of exposure to reggaeton, old school salsa. She was hearing pop ballads, folk music, and really able to synthesize all of these different styles and create this very original music. I've heard her also speak about the pressure on, on musicians and artists to categorize, to market themselves, and her own ability to just gravitate toward what she loves and the sounds that bring her joy, as, as all of the women on the program tonight are doing. So next on the program is a piece by one of our curators, Natalie uh, Fandaiti. We'll be hearing a segment called Sweet Po D'Anton. And this is a wonderful three-movement work. It's the larger piece, Fondaiti, which translates to Women of Haiti, is an evening-length work, which Natalie also released a recording of back in 2019, which was nominated for a Grammy for Best World Music Album. And it's, it's an absolutely beautiful project. I encourage you to check out the whole album. Over several years, Natalie delved deeply into researching the groundbreaking and really underrepresented female musicians of Haiti, as well as her own cultural heritage. Um, so she conducted these interviews with many of these women and their family members, as well as her own maternal grandmother. And throughout the album, you hear excerpts of these recorded conversations. You actually get to hear these women's voices beautifully interwoven with her musical scoring. And, and they were really revolutionary women, like using their music to further their social justice causes and, and uplifting the people of Haiti. So let's listen to just a short excerpt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
particular movement, which you will be hearing tonight, features a recording of a Haitian girls' choir um, that Natalie took in her, in her home farming village of Danton in, in Haiti. And one of the things that makes this music so rich and complex is this, this, these complex layers of musical cultural influence. So Natalie described in an interview the experience of taking this recording of the girls' choir, which were performing at a church service, and having the recognition that the drummer accompanying the girls was utilizing traditional African rhythms, which I believe she's sort of mimicking in some of the electronic sounds. So within even just this single layer of the piece, which is the recording, the drummer and the girls choir, we're hearing simultaneously this example of the Christian faith that was imposed on Haitians by Catholic missionaries when they were brought over as slaves from Africa, while underneath there remains this deep connection to their cultural roots in, in African music and rhythms. So I've, I've seen many videos of this work performed and it's truly such a transporting experience. At the core of Haitian musical practice is the idea of coming together and making music communally. So coming together without ego or pretense, and this is what truly inspires me so much about seeing this music performed, especially in a space like Disney Hall with musicians of the Los Angeles Philharmonic. So much of Western classical practice and pedagogy is about precision and about aspiring toward an ideal sound. And in that process, musicians are often asked to subvert their individuality in service of this. And there's just so much we have to learn from this beautiful tradition of Haitian music, the core of which is coming together as you are to make something beautiful and celebrate the individuals involved in creating that sound together. So as I said, I encourage you to check out the whole album, Fondaiti. Okay, next on the program is a piece by Pamela. Um, called the Schmetterling, which is German for butterfly. I should have asked who knew it. Any German speakers in the audience? <laughs> um, this was premiered in 1998 by Bang on a Can at the Knitting Factory in New York. Uh, let's, we're going to listen to two short segments of it. This is, this is the opening of the work. <laughs> Okay, so that's the opening, and then it, it does go into more of an instrumental groove, but I just wanted to play that for you. I think it's the kind of thing when you first hear it, you know, it's a live recording, so you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, is someone just, like, moving around a chair near the microphone or something? What I love, and, and Pamela does this so artfully, finding the music, finding the rhythm in everyday sound. So we're going to listen to just the first five seconds again. You hear the sound of like, I, I don't even know what it is. Maybe it's a chair moving. But then as soon as we hear it a second time, we immediately recognize the rhythm within it. It becomes something musical. And the more she delves into the complexity of this rhythm of what I'm assuming is a kind of found sound 
the more we're able to hear it as, as music, hear it in a totally different context. So one more time, just the, the opening gesture. So you catch that repetition? Okay, um, so Schmetterling, oh yeah, I'll just play a little bit of a later section so you could hear the full ensemble sound. So the speaking voice you're hearing is a recording, but um, the singing voice that you'll hear in a moment is, is Pamela right here. Yeah, so this piece, Schmetterling, is a work for voice and electronics, samples triggered by the body synth and keyboard, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, piano, percussion, guitar, oh, electric guitar, uh, clarinet, cello, and bass. So <laughs> I, I won't be able to explain this on a, as well as Pamela, but the body synth, an instrument she used for the, has anyone seen her perform live before? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really incredible. She wears this biofeedback device, which is connected to her computer. So she makes these beautiful gestures that trigger sounds, and she's able to manipulate the sound of her own singing voice live with these gestures. It's, it's very beautiful. And the way this works, it's basically, assuming she's using the same technology that she was describing in the interview I was watching, a device that measures the electrical impulses in your body, much like a hospital would measure your EKG. But in this case, it, it filters through a program, um, I believe Pamela works in Max MSP, uh, that converts it to sound. And it, there was a funny story she was telling about this technology. She was saying when she was first getting to know it, she would practice at home and sort of get the hang of it and then go on stage and all of a sudden all of the cues would just trigger by mad, like mad, because, you know, obviously it's a biofeedback device. So when we're on stage, we have adrenaline that's then being picked up by the signal. And luckily it's a, it's a device that you can adjust the sensitivity of. But she was saying, with this particular device, when the sensitivity is cranked all the way up, she could trigger a sound by even thinking about moving her hand. Because as we know, our brains, the first thing when we think about making a physical gesture, our brain sends an electrical signal to that part of our body. So I thought that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> sort of spooky. Yeah, so we're in for a treat. Pamela is, is a truly beautiful, inspiring performer and a real pioneer of electroacoustic music. It's, it's very much like watching a, a virtuoso with this, within this instrument that she's created. Okay, next up on the program is The Pattern. And this is a piece by Natalie's partner from Flutronics. Allison Loggins-Hull is a flutist, composer, producer, another truly multidisciplinary multimedia artist and educator. She's performed and recorded with a wide range of artists, including the International Contemporary Ensemble, Imani Wins, 
Lizzo, um, the National Sawdust Ensemble, and you can hear her playing flute on the 2019 remake of The Lion King. So her piece being performed tonight, the pattern is described as a case for reparations for the African-American community and embodies the tumultuous relationship between white Americans and black Americans from the beginning of slavery to today. So let's listen to just a short um, clip of this one. Just to warn you, it's, it's pretty loud. So obviously not the most relaxing music. <laughs> and, and listening to this piece, I've listened to the whole thing, is, is truly a, a visceral experience. That first section of the piece, and it moves on later to a slower section, but the first section is inspired by the last battle of the Civil War, the Battle of Palmito Ranch. And Allison writes, once the war ends, Black Americans are declared free from slavery, but left with no guidance or resources. Though during Reconstruction, many blacks were able to acquire land and build their own communities, there was still lingering disdain from defeated Confederates, and terroristic behaviors towards blacks ensued. The music moves into a section that represents the hope and optimism felt by black Americans, but also the looming and inevitable attack from white supremacy. There's a moment where true freedom seems possible, established by a groove in the vibraphone and piano with liberated winds, but there's still a sense that history will repeat itself. And in the final section, it is made clear that this is a cycle proven to be exhausting, painful, and psychologically harmful. And what strikes me about this, so much of musical storytelling is about tension and release. So in traditional classical music, the format, we establish a key, and then we move away from the key, and then we come home. Or we establish a key, and then we like do something dissonant, and then, and then there's a cadence, and we resolve. And it's all about giving the audience that experience of tension and release. And what Allison does so masterfully in this piece, which is about um, seven minutes long, is she's able to hold the tension as she moves through this wide variety of textures. It goes through a range of colors and moods, but always looming um, is this tension, this reach of white supremacy, which makes narrative sense to me, given the ongoing nature of this problem, this pattern. And it's a, just a very powerful way of depicting it musically. Okay, so next on the program, we have two world premieres. Are you excited to hear music that no one has ever heard before? Yeah. Um, so these pieces were written by our two curators for one another. So you're going to be seeing them both performing a lot tonight as well. First up, Silent H by Pamela Z. 
so Pamela, as we've talked about, has been interested in a long time in the musical quality of everyday sounds and especially the musical quality of speech. And within this piece, she uses a recorded interview um, she did with Natalie from a few years ago. She says in the program notes, nearly every note played by the ensemble was found in my recording of Natalie's mellifluous speaking voice. And she really does have a beautiful voice. Um, okay, and I think it's, it's a wonderful parallel. Natalie also uses a lot of text and recording. That's kind of another common thread of much of the music on tonight's program. Okay, so afterwards is Natalie's piece that she wrote for Pamela. It's called In Between. In her own words, she writes, to be in between is to be situated at the crossroads of two extremes or choices, to exist in an intermediate state that sometimes only offers the choice of embracing the unknown. In this piece for voice and an octet of winds and strings, I want to explore the full spectrum of emotions that can be experienced in these in-between moments, from excitement and playfulness to fear and uncertainty. Each of the three contiguous movements has the ensemble shifting between dichotomies, rhythmically, texturally, harmonically, while the vocalist presents dualities that begin to tell a multi-layered story of what it can mean to be in between. And I just feel like what a potent idea for this moment in time. This whole concert is really so much born of the world we are living in in this moment of time. I know personally the quarantine, the pandemic has been such a complex experience of navigating uncertainty. We're always oscillating between these extremes of emotions and forced to make choices when so much is unknown. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how Natalie captures that feeling sonically. Okay, our last piece on the program, Dear Abby, who's familiar with the Dear Abby advice column. <laughs> Some of you might have read it as it was originally published. Um, so this is a really extraordinary piece by composer Nina Shaker. Nina, like the other women on the program, versatile composer, multi-instrumentalist, and her work explores the intersection of identity, vulnerability, love, and laughter. She's been commissioned by 8th Blackbird, International Contemporary Ensemble, LA Philharmonic. That there's so many. You can, you can read it all in the bio. These women are just too accomplished. Um, <laughs> aside from composing, Shaker is a versatile performing artist. She's a flutist, pianist, and saxophone player. Um, so for those of you who aren't familiar with uh, Pauline Phillips' advice column, which started in, in 1956. I thought it could be fun to read a few of the entries just to get a sense of her personality. So prepare to groan a little bit. So someone writes in, Dear Abby, what's the difference between a wife and a mistress? Signed, Bess. And she writes, Dear Bess, night and day, yeah. Okay, here's another one. Dear Abby, my boyfriend is going to be 20 years old next month. I'd like to give him something nice for his birthday. What do you think he'd like? Signed, Carol. And Abby says, Dear Carol, never mind what he'd like. Give him a tie. 
Oh, we love it. Okay, here's one more. Um, Dear Abby, I joined the Navy to see the world. I've seen it. Now, how do I get out? And she writes, Dear Navy, simple, go to your superior officer and say these two words, I'm gay. And, you know, so clearly, you know, she's a very sassy woman. We're getting a sense of her personality. But as you read more and more of these, you start to observe this pattern of just extremely misogynistic, extremely heteronormative attitudes being internalized at this time. And also, this work, I'll point out that Nina does not use text directly from the column. She's written her own text sort of along the same themes centering around how women are expected to present themselves and the pressure to do so in a way that supports the male gaze. So I just want to listen to a little bit of the opening and talk about a few things. Do you paint your toenails red with blue and golden sparkles? Do Okay, so that's, that's the opening. Um, and I think one of the interesting choices that Nina makes at the beginning of this work, it opens with the entire ensemble singing the text. So we hear this material that's about female presentation and the male gaze sung by a chorus of both male and female voices, which um, despite the subject matter creates kind of this joyful communal sonic environment. And what Nina does so masterfully over the course of the piece, which I believe is about nine minutes, is she takes this very simple, innocuous melody and gradually brings this sonic dark cloud over top it. So the, the text becomes a lot more ominous. The music builds to this incredible climax. So that's something to look out for in the, in the last piece to kind of feel the building of that tension. Uh, Nina says in the program notes, this piece, Dear Abby, explores how society often attempts to pigeonhole others into fitting into narrow gender roles that may or may not contradict with their own identity and the internal reactions that one might face as a result. And (laughs) I can't help but feel in the context of this program, I think about all of the female composers throughout history and how so much of their narratives are intertwined with this idea of balancing the cultural expectation for their gender role and their own desire to express themselves artistically. In Fanny and Felix Mendelssohn's father wrote in 1820, Uh, Music will perhaps become Felix's profession, while for you, Fanny, my dear, it can and must only be an ornament. Yeah. So she ended up having to publish a lot of her works under her, her brother's name. And I know it's easy when you hear something like that or even jokes made in the Dear Abby column to kind of write off this sort of sexism as a thing from the olden days. And 
of course, it's very easy to recognize sexism and racism when they're so overt like this, but they're still very pervasive problems today, though often showing up in, in much more subtle ways. And I think this idea of pigeonholing one into a cultural identity applies not just to the role of women, but the role of musicians. As we've talked about, all of the women on the program tonight have forged such original paths. And I feel like we're at a moment in the music world where we're finally starting to understand that having a breadth of musical experience only furthers our capacity to make meaningful, thought-provoking art. And it enables us to use music to build bridges to better understand one another. So I will let you get to the concert, but I just want to close by saying that I'm of the personal belief that many of the problems in our country stem from looking at societal issues in an overly simplistic way. There's so many complex layers to the history of a country, the history of a group of people, of a gender, and I'm deeply, deeply inspired and honored to be able to talk about these women tonight who are making such thoughtful and beautiful work, such nuanced work that's really contributing to the larger cultural dialogue with their art. And in doing this work, opening the door for my students, for the next generation of musicians to do the same. So I hope you all enjoy the concert. It's gonna be a wonderful night. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.